Hello, 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 everybody. It is Friday, uh, if you are joining us live, 2 o'clock Eastern, which means it's time for another Kick-Ass Career Conversation. I am Kim. I'm Louise. And we're joined by... Katie. Hi, Katie. <laughs> we're going to let the world know a little bit more about you in a minute, but first we want to start this week like we start every week. What are we celebrating this week? I like this question. Um... I was having this conversation earlier this week about like, you know, do we practice what we preach, especially as coaches and in that space? Like I have tons, right? I have the process, the framework, right? And and yet when am I using it on myself? When am I taking the time to, right? Uh, making sure I'm aligned with my values and all of those things. And this week has been a real eye-opening, I think, experience for me a little bit in that it seems like every client I've talked to is, is talking about the same thing. And it's like, well, if they're talking about the same thing, how can I, how can I be using that um, in my own life and, and in, in what I am doing? And that's really being, is just about slowing down. I was almost going to say slowing the F down, but it is about slowing down. But I would have um, <laughs> and, and right and and here and here I am helping folks right like just pause for a moment so that they can get their bearings and figure out like am I on this path um is this a path I want to be on all of those questions that come around you know pivoting and career change um and I get to do that for myself too and it's not just about like, am I on the right path? Because I am. Um, but how am I showing up? Am I showing up uh, authentically and being really genuine in what I'm doing? And I found this week that the more I can lean into that, the more I can slow down and say, hey, am I doing what I what I want to be doing? Like in the way that I want to be doing it, um, things are just like... It's like, I don't know, they're, they're starting to sparkle. They're starting to shine. Um, and so that's what I'm celebrating is like, I think slowing down to sparkle is how I would put that. Um, Katie, how about you? What are you celebrating this week? I am celebrating a little aha moment that I had actually earlier today uh, where I realized an intention and a goal that I had had started to become more like skill and habit. Um, and I didn't realize it. And that was really exciting. So for me, um, just real talk as a recovering people pleaser, I've been trying to use my voice more and get more comfortable using my voice. And for a while, it has looked like it's a it's a big deal when it happens. I'm like, oh, I did the scary thing. Like I practiced this new thing. I did it. And then I realized today I was like, oh, I am like doing this more regularly now and it feels good and it wasn't as scary. And I'm taking that theory and learning and making it a practice. Um, and that feels really good. And I'm celebrating that today. Oh, I love that. Mm. That's so juicy. Yeah. I, and I can feel both of that, both of the places that you're celebrating. And it just, it feels really, really good. Um, I am celebrating crunchy conversations. Um, I am in the midst of still processing through um, some, a way that I showed up in the world that I'm not proud of um, and didn't recognize it at the moment and yet, um, and haven't really had a total time to process it, but knowing that I will um, and that I get to learn and grow from it um, as 
painful and as crunchy and as uncomfortable as it is in the moment, I know in the long run, this will absolutely bring me closer to what I am most dedicated into and, and my most aligned self. Um, and I think that's the best that we, like, I, I hope that we are all working towards. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm celebrating right now. So while it doesn't feel celebratory in the moment, <laughs> I'm anticipating that at some point I will, I will, I will feel really good about the, the, leaning into the uncomfortable and um, owning parts of me that I don't absolutely love all the time. So. Well, and we have to go through that, right? Like we have to go through like kind of like um, these, these edges, right? That, well, that's, it's always the growth edge when we're at the edge. Um, but if we're just like stuck in the middle, we're just like coming along, like we don't get that opportunity to, to explore. And as, as a, as sensitive and, and, and right. Um, whatever that word is you want to use Kim, but right. Like it, just, yeah. <laughs> it feels like if we're, if we're not there on the edges, then we aren't growing and learning. Um, we're just like coming down the highway at 80 kilometers an hour, 120 yeah. kilometers, miles, fill in the blank, whatever. <laughs> you're in the U S or if you're in the rest of the world, right. It's like, <laughs> Katie, let's let the world know a little bit about you and then you can fill in the blanks for us. Okay, cool. So Katie is a social entrepreneur, leadership development nerd, and queer bookworm. She has over 10 years of experience in the social impact space and held roles across the talent life cycle, including recruitment and selection, leadership development, and retention. She recently founded Changemaker Careers to help social impact professionals land their next job and to restore some humanity to the process. Oh, goodness, Katie. We're so excited that you're here. We are. It's like you took Kim and I and you like slammed us together. And here you are. Social impact careers. Social impact careers. Can't wait. Love it. Um, welcome. Like, how did you come into this space? Like, did you always think that you would be in like social impact space or the career space? Like, tell, tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now. Sure. So I am one of the people who knew from a very early age that I would always be in the social impact space. For me, my origin story was seeing a um, anti-human trafficking documentary when I was 16. And ever since that moment, I was like, okay, well, how on earth could I ever do anything else now that this has been brought to my attention? Like there's really no going back from this. Um, so my professional experience has actually bounced around issue area. I've always approached a learner's mindset for the for my career. So I started off saying, I want to be the best resource possible for social impact organizations. Let me go do work for as many of them as I can to figure out what they need. And in doing that, I went, oh, a lot could really benefit from business acumen. Let me go to business school so I can support them in filling this gap. Then I went to business school and I had this oh no moment or maybe an aha moment, depending on how you look at it, where I, I realized uh, business might be more problem and solution here. Uh, and what I'm actually noticing is that while there is a lot of need for organizational support, what's really being overlooked is the folks doing this work at all different levels who are leading this work, who are in the field, um, 
And that's where I pivoted to supporting the whole change maker instead of the whole impact organization. So that's a little bit about my overall career arc. And then eventually that led me to the career space as I started getting feedback from some friends I was helping about the gap specifically in the career space when it comes to supporting the whole change maker. So we titled this one, The Transparency Dilemma. What is one of the things, I think you're going to answer this question with the title, but what is one of the things that you find really challenging when you're working with somebody um, in this space, when you're working with change makers? Yes, I think there are so many layers of transparency issues. I think there are sector-wide issues, there are organization-wide issues, and then there's like specific role job description issues that come with that. Um, so I, I think one of the challenging aspects of it, and this is a little like big picture, but it would be like the Venn diagram of navigating all of that at once because we're all internalizing messages around, for example, that we don't even know we have, like especially in the social impact space, we can tie so much of our meaning and value and identity and worth into the work that we do. Um, and it's easy to internalize this myth that there's like what I call a job charming out there, that once you find that job, it'll sweep you off your feet and you'll be so happy and fulfilled. And like so much of your well-being and your ability to serve others is riding on that. And that's without even getting into, you know, sectoral issues organizational things that you can't see from a website, from a job description, and then getting into like the nitty gritty trouble of, you know, no salary transparency. Sometimes job descriptions are inaccurate. They just need to get something out before the next budget cycle. So they threw it out there. Uh, interview questions are coded where they ask you one question, but really underneath it's a separate question that they're asking you. So there's really just so many layers and navigating all that at once, I think is the most challenging aspect. Yeah, you know, going back to like, you know, those things that we can control. I talk a lot to my clients, right? Cause I work in the career space um, around where, where are we driving the car to in our career journey? What, are, what do we have control over? And then how do we show up in a, in a space like a job interview um, in that power, because there are so many things outside of our control, right? We don't know what's going on in that organization. We don't know how long they took to put together their job description. Most of the time, it's a unicorn, to be honest, because that's what they're looking for. Um, and then we 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 self-select and say, oh, I, I can't do that because I don't have those things. And so there's all of these, like you said, all of these transparency issues. But going back to like, what do we have control over? Like, how transparent can we be? Like, when we think about like stepping into our own power, I, I think we we often put on this armor and this mask, especially when we're walking into a job interview. Say, well, this is what I think they want. Um, it, it often backfires, but but that's where a lot of people come from. Wouldn't you agree? Like, we come from that place of like, I want to be the best candidate. I want to be. I want to be what they want instead of what I want. Is I was going to say, go ahead, Katie. You can respond to that. 
Yes, I think that is a very real tension that many people struggle with, especially um, from an intersectional perspective, right? Women, folks of color, LGBTQ, non-binary folks, um, and beyond, right? Um, disabled folks, um, citizenship, uh, varied folks, because there's a power dynamic at play, right? Especially depending on like why you need a new job. It's easier to come in from a place of authenticity and power and navigating that balance of, I'm pitching myself to you using the language base that you're sharing with me, what you're looking for to meet your needs, but in a way that is still very authentic to who I am and how I work. It's easy to do that when you already have a job, when you're not in survival mode. I think where it can be more challenging is when um, you're applying for jobs from a place of instability or like maybe you need to get out of a toxic environment, like you have one, but it's not supporting you and you, you, you know, there's a sense of urgency to the situation. Or if you feel like the systems and culture and procedures in place already from the get-go don't enable you to be your authentic self or create room for who you are in those different identities from the process, from the beginning of the process. Yeah, I, what you said just landed really deeply for me because I think we do ignore the, the power dynamics as a candidate, right? We, we know they're there, but I feel like we very often will kind of brush it under the carpet and just say, it's what I have to do versus reclaiming some of that and being like, no. And again, I think you just nailed it. It's like when, when, you, when you're coming from that place where it's like, I need this job versus I want this job. And yet I even think that in that place of, because I've been there where it's, it's I, need, I need to get out of this space. Like I need a new job. Um, I need something to, to, to fill my bank account, right? And I know in those times where I've had the ability to reclaim my own agency and say, this organization is does not have more power than I have. Yes, they have the ability to give me the job, but I also have the ability to turn down, like to not take it if if it's not a right fit for me. But I think we we've been so trained to not pay attention to that as the candidate. And yet the onus I feel is on the organization to start pulling some of this apart. I don't know, um, particularly in the social impact space, I know it's really hard. It's like, well, but we don't want to say how much money we're willing to pay them because then they're not going to even apply. So where do we start? Where do we start with that transparency? Where do we start um, decoding the job process for people? Yeah, and I think to both of your points, when we think about what we can control depending on your own comfort level and the opportunities at hand. You know, you hear your career experts talk a lot about how the job application interview process really is a two-sided process. You are also interviewing the other organization. And there have definitely been things that I've put in cover letters where I'm like, all right, we're going to see how progressive you truly are, nonprofit. Like if I mention collective liberation in here, like is this going to get me an interview or am I going to get, uh, you know, a form rejection in 30 minutes. And that has been a little way of reclaiming my agency and also of just ensuring that I'm not wasting my time. Because if you're 
if we are so values like misaligned that that is a big red flag for you, then like we don't even need to bother anymore. So I do think there is ways where you can be creative about showing parts of yourself and your value and putting the ball in their court um, without having to completely compromise your eligibility and desirability from the employer's perspective. That is like dating. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Truly so exhausting. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is like in dating as well, right? When you're putting your profile out there on those dating sites, it, it's the more you're able to express who you are, the better alignment you're going to have with that next opportunity. And the, the same as is, is in your career and, and job offers. I, I, I completely understand that sometimes we just need to get out of, like you said, right, a toxic situation, we just need a paycheck. But it's understanding that that is what you're doing, and that you might be compromising some of your other values to get out of a toxic situation, that it's temporary, right? But you have to be, you have to come from a place of, of knowledge, I think, about what it is that you really want this next role to be, um, and be okay with that. Be okay if, if it's just a way out, like be clear with yourself, be honest with yourself, be transparent with yourself first um, and and then and be OK with that. Um, and then you'll know that. Right. Like you're going to compromise all other kinds of values, possibly um, just to get out. And, and that's OK. But you have to be aware you have to. It starts with your own transparency and understanding your own motive motivators um, and your own values. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And in the work that I've been doing, I actually created like, I think right now I'm up to five different job search archetypes based on your different priorities. So one of them, I call them like work life Wanda. And I have like Wanda Sykes on there. And then now Niall, which is very much the urgency situation. And they all have different priorities because there is no one perfect job that's going to meet all of them. Mm -hmm. And I find that the urgency archetype is really challenging, especially as someone who has been in situations where I've been unemployed, I've been in situations where I'm in a toxic work environment and I, I had to get out. It was like me or the job, that was pretty much it. Nothing else, I couldn't control anyone's behavior and I just had to choose me. And it's a really hard pill to swallow, especially for social impact folks to take a job just as a stepping stone. But I do encourage folks, like if you're in that position, know that it's just, temporary. It's just that a stepping stone and choosing yourself and your health and your wellness is really important and not like a small thing. It's not like, oh, this is just, you know, a stepping stone. I'm going to do what I got to do. And then I, I'm not prioritizing what I value. It's like, no, you value you, you value your well-being. You value like giving yourself what you need in this moment, even though it may be different than what you need long-term. And like, that is a huge gift to yourself in a really important thing, even though it feels maybe like you're losing in other areas or you're abandoning yourself in other areas. Actually, you're centering something that's really hard, but really important. You know, I think it, what you just said is so important, Katie, because we often, we're so afraid to take that temporary leap and say, I just need this for right now just to get by. Um, we've, I, 
I know I have felt and working with some of my clients, it is a feeling of failure. It's like, well, if I just settle for this that I'm feeling because I haven't lived into my potential, I haven't lived into what I'm most aligned with and what I desire the most. And yet, I know when I have done temporary jumps, when I've been like, I don't know, I just I just need this thing to, so that I can regulate whatever's happening, doorways that I never knew existed opened up. And, and I think what we lose sight of when we're, when we don't want to take that temporary jump is that we are not in a position to actually see the, the full purview of what's in front of us because we're so laser focused and therefore, you know, to, to get into coach speak, right? We have limiting beliefs and we have, uh, you know, a damaged growth mindset. We have all these things that are working against us and yet we think we can make a good decision from there. And so very often, actually, I think I would encourage people and I don't do a lot of career coaching or, or helping people kind of find that type of next step. But when I have, I definitely am just take, just take something. If you're in a situation you need to leave, just take something and catch your breath and then figure out what's next. And so like that train, that level of transparency, you have to have it with yourself too. Mm -hmm. It's like, right. Yeah. 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 We get, we get stuck on this idea of like this next move is like the move that's going to be the permanent move for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, so much stress and on ourselves and so much pressure on this next step that we can freeze in place because we get stuck in. Okay. But we, right. But this, but that, but this, but that, and, and we can spin. And I talk to folks really around this idea of like experimenting. There are a lot of things that we assume when we go into the job search process. Like we're, we're never going to know exactly what people have in mind when they've created that job posting. Well, we never will. Right. right? Um, and so we, we go into this um, um, space with an idea of, of one thing and it, and it can be something else. It can be, something completely different. What somebody posts oftentimes, right? Um, maybe not what they're looking for at all. Uh, but, but we get into this place where we just put so much pressure and it's like, what if that pressure wasn't there? Mm -hmm. What if it didn't matter how long you stayed at that next role? What, what if, what if none of that mattered? Where could you step? Where could you go? Where could you learn a little bit more about yourself? And that's what you were saying, Kim, right? Like sometimes we can't learn about ourselves because we have so much like toxicity, like being thrown at us that we, we don't even know who we are uh, anymore. So taking that step out, taking that breath, but also taking that chance to say like, I might... It, maybe it's not, but if I look at this as an experiment, what am I going to learn? Where am I going to grow? What am I going to do better next time for that next step? But I don't know, Katie, like, do you see in that social impact space that people are very much like, but this next step has to be the step. It has to be the perfect thing. Yes, I definitely do. I feel like it's one of the pervasive narratives I see in the space is that a dream job is often related to a specific role or prestigious organization, or maybe even like an issue area in the social impact space. Like maybe you care about reproductive rights and that it's like, that's my life's calling. I cannot deviate from that. And as we internalize that over and over and over with time, it gets harder and harder 
to recognize that our priorities actually change over time. So, you know, our 16 year old self and 25 year old self and 40 year old self, they're all gonna have different priorities and de definitions of what a dream job is. So when you start off before you enter the workforce, a lot of times your dream job is a lot of imagination of like, this is what I imagine it would be like to get there. But once you actually start getting there and working in the space and you're navigating the dream versus the reality, your priorities change. And I often talk to people about like, what if your dream job is the one that gives you the best quality of life? Like, what if that's your dream job and you still want it to be in the social impact space, but that's a very different mindset, narrative, and honestly, job search strategy, then I want to be working on this issue area for this organization uh, with this title. So I see that all the time where people don't even pause to do that reflection or understanding of like, what's changed for me? What do I really want? Is this in line with what I've been telling myself for so long? And Am I actually losing something by making a change or am I gaining something? Um, which I think can be really challenging for folks to sit with. So with this, the decoding part that we talked about, right, today, decoding the job search process, it sounds like what we've all been talking about is, is that internal work of what we actually need to thrive. And how does our work, how do our, the job that we take, the, the career that we start, the business that we start, how does that fill that need? How does that fit in with, with the rest of who I am as an aligned human being? And I know that there are some people who are listening who are like, well, work doesn't fit into my aligned self. I don't want to work. I just want to be paid to think all day or to draw all day. Um, but I don't want that to be my job right? And to me, that's also that mindset shift of that's fine. You, you, I am somebody like I own it. I cringe when I hear the word work because I don't want to work a day in my life. Don't love work because to me, work means to toil till I, and it's like in the definition of work, it's just as horrible. It sounds like we're going to go, you know, harvest potatoes, nothing against potato farmers. Um, but <laughs> don't alienate a whole province here in Canada. Just I'm sorry. Back. Okay. <laughs> so I, this, this idea though, of when we have to reframe it, if it's not, if it's not working, if work isn't working for us, right. To your point, Katie, of saying, I do want work-life balance. I do want to, to have this equilibrium in my life. I want to have um, whatever those priorities are. The transparency of self is how we find and how we craft work that works for us. And just to kind of throw in here also is as we've been talking, what's sitting in my mind's eye is that diagram of this is what we think progress is, but this is what progress is, right? <laughs> it's like this ball that goes all different directions versus the steps, these steps that lead up. It's never this, it's, it's never that. I don't care what sector you're in. It's never that. Mm -hmm. And allowing ourselves the space to play within that, you know, crazy little ball, I think gives us that freedom of crafting what we're wanting to craft. So yeah. I don't know. What do you think? 
I couldn't agree more. And the one thing you have my gears turning about that might be helpful to name from a social impact perspective, especially when it comes to the mentality of like what work is and should feel like, there's this sense of real like urgency and grind in the social impact sector that I often argue is like even more pervasive than sometimes in for-profit and corporate sectors because the urgency is like, if I don't give 120%, like someone could not receive services. Like someone who is not positioned as well as I am is going to be negatively impacted. But it's that narrative of you have to run yourself into the ground to avoid hurting someone else that perpetuates like it gr- like all kinds of horrible things like false urgency grind culture like not finding roles that align with what you're looking for like burnout in the space like then the work that's being done in the social impact space actually can't be sustained because everyone who's doing the work is burning themselves out and they have to like take extended leaves or or leave the organization altogether um so i don't know if there's anyone listening or watching who feels like oh I didn't know I needed to hear that but if you're one of those people like it is very okay to not give 110 percent at your social impact job uh and figure out what you can let go of or say no to or deprioritize to make that work feel less like a drain and more like it's filling your cup than emptying your cup mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my gosh it's and it's it's honestly why both I left both, well, three sectors. I left the entertainment sector, the legal sector, and the social impact sector to create work that is focused specifically on the social impact sector, because that is the one that really speaks to my heart. Um, there is so much broken in this idea that we have to work ourselves to the bone and scrimp and save every little penny and not pay um, a comparable wage to for-profit corporations. Still, they're still corporations. Nonprofit corporation is just a different tax code. Um, there's this idea that everything has to be hard if we're in the social impact space, and allowing ourselves the to say no to that, to demand higher wages, to have the organizational leadership both on the board and within the administration of the organization figure out sustainable ways to run a business so that they can provide for their staff, for the people doing the work. Therefore, the people doing the work don't need to go to another nonprofit to receive services because that's the cycle that we're seeing. And so, okay, I'll step off my soapbox, but that is, I'm very passionate about that. And that's why I do the work that I do because you nailed it. It's like, we are, we're, we're sending people out to do these jobs that they are mission driven, even if they're not a hundred percent aligned with the mission, even if it's not their dream job, it's like, yes, but I'm now in this mentality of this space that I have to be this way but you don't. And and we just have to little by little stop and unhook that, that narrative that that's who we have to be. Kim Dunn. 
Well, and it, that ha that happens in all kinds of places and spaces, right? Even in the for-profit, even in, in corporations, we get so wrapped up in that if I stop giving 110, there is no such thing as 110%, by the way. So let's just be really honest. But we have this idea of like, if I stop giving 110%, it's like now, now, now what, Right. Now I'm not up for promotion. Now I can't, right? It's almost like we're our own mini um, non-for-profit because I'm supporting people at home and I'm going to be letting them down um, or I'm going to be letting someone down if I'm not giving 100%, 110%. Um, but the reality is that like we can step into every day and 100% looks different than the day before. When we do the best that we can, right? Um, in our roles, looking after our whole selves, Right. That then. Right. What what is that look like? Um, we need to look after this business <laughs> before we look after anybody else's. Um, but, yeah, we get so wrapped up in this idea. I wish 110 percent like I wish we would wipe that off the face of the there is no such thing. Now I could get off my soapbox. There we go. Just My job moment. <laughs> So if we're stepping away from this idea of 110% and recognizing that even if we're giving 100%, right, if we're giving all that we can give, what feels like over and above of what we can give, we're maxed out and we're saying that that is not sustainable, nor is it health, it's not healthy for us as individuals, nor is it healthy for the longevity and sustainability of an organization, then how do we support the the workers how do we support the employees in finding work that fits and staying in work that fits I throw it over to you katie well one of my favorite tools in the toolkit is really the power of the informational interview because i think one of the best things you can do is get the real talk from someone who's either in that organization or who has left that organization to see if they are walking their talk on the job description, on their website. Maybe you're looking at the Glassdoor reviews and you're like, this could go either way. I'm not sure. It's always a good idea to talk to someone who lives it every day, who is literally, you know, there's no stakes. They'll, they'll tell you what's actually going on there. Um, because to circle back to the point we talked about before, there's only so much we can control. We can't necessarily, like, we can do our part to influence organizational culture. And also, we're just one piece of the puzzle. So if you can find alignment, and again, not perfection, but like alignment with the things that matter most to you, with your well-being and needs at that stage in your life, and verify that with people who are in that environment all day, every day, I think that's a really good place for folks to start. and also take action from a place of what's within their own control. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I think we have to check our stories that we bring into this whole job search process, right? Is like, what are we walking in the door with? Um, and, and maybe not just in the job search, but in jobs period in work, Kim doesn't even like that word work. Um, but the thing we do for a paycheck 
um, like, I think we need to check ourselves and say, like, what are the stories that I'm bringing in? Do I have to give 110%? Do I have to? Do I have to? Do I have to? Because um, those are all things we need to reexamine um, for ourselves um, wholly. Um, but also, I think like it starts there. Like, I think we only transform organizations and this whole hustle culture um, one person at a time because it it's it, it's its own beast. Um, but we all play into it and we all carry those stories. Yeah, for sure. Um, I looked at the time. <laughs> that went really, really fast. Um, I'm curious what in in thinking about helping people craft careers that work for them, right? That fit for them. What are some of the golden nuggets that we're going to take away around this idea of transparency and um, and or decoding um, the job search process? Kind of what is that? What are those things that we want to take with us? I think I think it goes back to um, what you said earlier, Kim. Right, like like pulling those all of those threads together. Um, and uh, really understanding ourselves um, first. Let's be transparent with ourselves and, and what we really need or want um, from, from the world that pays our paycheck. Um, uh, and, and understanding that there are different, there are different ways to show up um, all the time. We get to choose, right? That, that autonomy that we have. Um, so that that's kind of my nugget is really understanding that um, we all talked about that a little bit today, right? Is is getting really clear on what that is for yourself. Yeah, Katie, what about for you? That was also one of my takeaways, and I think to build on it, I would also reiterate what we talked about before with having an open mind about possibility and an awareness that you may not be able to see all that an opportunity can bring you in the moment. Some of my absolutely most amazing, most transformative personally and professionally roles are ones that like I applied to on a whim. Like I had no, I had no aspirations or like deep thought and reflection that went into that. I was like, oh, that could be cool. I haven't really thought about it. Like, let's just see where it goes. And then it really helped me grow in such a powerful way. So I just encourage folks like when you're exploring or trying to find that clarity, don't shy away from casting that wide net and taking that explorative mindset because you may give yourself something that you aren't even aware you need. Yeah. Yeah. I I will build on that, right? Because I think we're we're all talking about things that are interconnected here. Um, it, it's the it's the inner dialogue. It's the narratives that we carry with us. Um, and we carry we carry them with us as we are trying to figure out what to do, right? Who we want to be while we're doing it, who we can be, who we're allowed to be when we're doing it, and then once we're doing the thing, right? All of the narratives that go with that of am I giving enough? Am I enough? Uh, right? Uh, is the, am I at the right place? Am I getting, am I, am I in the right role? Um, do I need to move on? Is this working for me? But we have these narratives, these stories that tell us something that if we don't take time to stop and pay attention to, can have us running in a direction that 
is in total misalignment to actually what it is that we want. So, yeah, good stuff today, friends. <laughs> That's indeed. Katie, where in the world can people find you if they want to continue the conversation? So changemakercareers.com is the best place to start, although you can also find me on LinkedIn, Katie Latham, just search that, or Changemaker Careers, both will lead you to me. Fantastic. And we will include all of that in our show notes as well. Louise, where can people find us in the world? Uh, you can find us every week right here, uh, live wherever you tuned in from. I think it's YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever that is. Um, you can also check us out on the replay on anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, next week coming up, we are going to be harnessing the impact of public speaking with Adriana. Um, it's going to be a fantastic conversation. So tune in, um, maybe even try a different uh, way. Uh, if you always listen to the podcast, hop on YouTube. Who knows? Um, <laughs> what else do we have going on? <laughs> we also have um, our mini classes. These are um, things Kim and I are putting together um, that are really short snippets of information uh, to help you uh, in a mini way uh, make a macro movement. So coming up on February 8th, we have micro feedback. Um, so great great, great conversations. If you want to know more about us, uh, you can check us out at yourkickasscareerguide.com. You can see our events there. Uh, you can also um, come on into our Inspire Eyes network. If you want to know more about what that is, please check us out online um, or follow us um, on LinkedIn, uh, Kim Romaine and Louise Neal. I, that's all you have to do on LinkedIn is to find us. That's who we are. No special decoding needed. Um, <laughs> to find us. True transparency. <laughs> we are very transparent uh, out there in the world. Um, absolutely. Uh, Katie, thanks so much for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Um, and I hope, uh, I hope you had a good time because that's really what it's all about too. I did. Thank you so much for having me, for your time and for all that you do. I appreciate you both so much. Oh, goodness. We appreciate the work you're doing in the world. Keep at it. You so bet. needed. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now. Take care. Bye. Bye.